1: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's Jesus
0: message. Soul that night. Turn in your Bible to the and book of Romans, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. Light. We all know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the world... And out of those that are in the world, whosoever out of those that are in the world believeth is supposed to be saved. But there are people that teach that there are some people that God cannot save because they have sinned away their day of grace. They have crossed over the line, they've done done too many bad things, and God won't save them. Here in the book of Romans, in chapter 1, I want you to look there in verse 24. They say in verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up. Gave them up is not the same as God gave up on them. He also makes a statement there in the verse 28, God gave them over. So God gave them up and God gave them over. But what does all that mean? I want you to look there in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans 1.16, a tremendous, tremendous verse. This verse is the launching pad for the book of Romans. It's to show you at the very outset why he's not ashamed of the gospel. I am thankful that I have a message that is for everybody. doesn't matter who they are, where they are, or what they've done. God can save them. He can save anybody. He says there in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And notice, to everyone that believeth. But, they say, well, there are some who can't believe, and so it doesn't include those. There are some people who believe that God has chosen to save some and reject others. And that only ones who really can believe are the ones that God has already done chose out of all the people upon the earth. That's not true. The invitation is to anybody in the world. And why Paul says that he's not ashamed is because the message is for everybody. Everybody. He says to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Then he explains what he's talking about in this message that is for everybody and that everybody can be saved and All they have to do is believe. He says, this message has two main components to it. When you give the gospel, it says it reveals several things. One in verse 17, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. So whenever we explain the good news to somebody, how they can have eternal life and be sure of going to heaven when they die, and that message is a message on how they can receive the righteousness of God. It also, in that same message, tells you about, in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. So we know in this story, therein, in that message, that story reveals the wrath of God upon sin, and at the same time, the righteousness of God from the sin. Tremendous story. A lot of people's messages that they call the gospel doesn't contain that, but it should for a person to really understand and to understand that God means that he loves everybody in the world. I asked you just a moment ago to be thinking along this line. Is there anybody that you've ever met that you would say, if anybody goes to hell, that person deserves to go to hell? That person really deserves to go to hell. Can you think of anybody? And then I want you to picture yourself looking in the mirror. That person really deserves to go. Look at me. I deserve to go to hell. I really do. So am I going because I deserve it? No, I'm not going. Because somebody did something for me. In the following verses is an awesome story. It's to show you the wrath of God upon sin. See there in verse 18? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So God is going to take the rest of this chapter and kind of show you what he's talking about. What is sin? So a lot of people don't think that what they do is so bad because everybody else does it, and if everybody does it, it's not bad, right? Sin is still sin, because God says what sin is. It's not what we call it, it's what God calls it. You're, You're supposed to always look at everything through the eyes of the Lord, means through the Scriptures. Let God tell us what sin is, and what love is, and what salvation is, so that we have it from God's viewpoint. The Bible tells us that From creation itself, the world that God has made, that he has revealed himself to mankind by the things that he has made. And look there in verse, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, not evolution of the world, are clearly seen. In other words, clearly means evidence beyond reproof. I mean, there's no way you can refute the evidence. And the evidence is clearly seen. And God says that the world he made is the evidence that somebody you can't see made it. God says that's justification for hanging everybody. You see, I don't have to try to prove to people that there is a God. God said he's already placed that within the heart of every individual that's ever been born. Atheism has to be taught. Nobody's born an atheist. You know that there is a God. And he says in the last part of verse 20, that they are without what? Excuse. Who says so? God did. God said they're without excuse. I don't care about all their philosophy and their logic, their reasoning, on why I'm an atheist, thank God. <laughs> this one man said, I don't believe in God. I said, don't tell me, tell him. In verse 20, 21, there are seven things mentioned here that is a downward trend. It's a destructive thought process that when you rebel against truth, where does it lead? And so there are seven things that are mentioned here in verse 21 to t- verse 23. Number one is they glorified him not as God. They glorified him not as God. But... God wants you to know, God still loves them. Neither were they thankful, and God still loves them. Oh, this part about God still loves them, uh, that's not in your notes there. I'm just throwing that in, because I want you to believe that. Because the gospel that was mentioned up there is that God said He will save anybody that believeth, Jew or Gentile. Uh, The verse right before it talks about that I am debtor to the Greek and to the barbarian, to the wise and to the unwise. So it doesn't matter who they are or what they've done or how they've lived. He says, I'm a debtor to preach the gospel to them because God can save them. That means that they are eligible for salvation. The other one, number three, they became vain in their imaginations, but God loves them. Their foolish heart was darkened, but God loves them. Professed themselves to be wise, but God loves them. They became fools, but God loves them. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God and made him like unto a a four-footed beast. But God loves them. So I want you to become convinced It doesn't matter what a person has done, how wicked they have been, God still loves them. How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant and you have some um, pretty little waitress or some nice looking young fella wait on you and you'll be extra nice and extra kind and extra friendly to them and maybe even leave them a nice tip or in a track and say something to them that's very nice. Anybody? Hopefully all of you have. Have you ever been served by a guy that's got earrings all around his ears? Maybe wearing a necklace, looks a little funny, acting a little strange. Do you know that God loves that man or that boy or that girl just as much as that little clean-cut person? And would you try to win this one to the Lord like you would the other one? You see, you and I are supposed to be blind to a lot of things. We're supposed to see the world through the eyes of the Lord. God so loved the world. In this world, there are murderers, but God loves them. There are homosexuals, sodomites, but God loves them. There's thieves, but God loves them. There's liars, but God loves them. God so loved the world loves every last one of them and you and I are supposed to let God use us to love them through us so we can try to reach them now if you believe God gave them up and there's no hope for them then you can be mean and unkind and rude and crude to all of them but if you want to try to win them you still got to treat them with love though you don't approve of Their sin. Does God approve of any of our sins? No. But does God still love us? Yes. So we try to win people to the Lord. Is there a possibility that any of these people could ever be saved? Why, yes, there is. Now, I want you to look there in verse 23, where it says, and then changed the glory of God. They changed it. I want to just mention three things that they did change. In verse 25 says they changed the truth into a what? Into a lie. They changed truth into a lie. In other words, when you teach that evolution is true, what did you do about truth? You changed the truth that God created into a lie that God didn't create it. So every person in this entire world that teaches that we came here by the process of evolution, there, there's no God, therefore there's no such thing as right and wrong, there's mo- no morality, uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. Yet we pay people to teach these lies to our children and to our kids in the universities that are supported by tax dollars to teach lies to the people. And then wonder why they do what they do. In verse 26, women change the natural into the unnatural. See the verse 26? For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. They called it being a lesbian, women with women. That's against nature. Against nature. Means it's wrong. It's a sin. You cannot justify it. It's not right. Love has nothing to do with it. You can't say, well, it's okay because we love one another. No, that has nothing to do with it. You look at things from God's viewpoint. And God says... It is a sin. So what is it? It's a sin. You say, well, they have the right. No, no. Right means right. Nobody has the right to do wrong. Because when we do that which is wrong, God said he will judge the wrong. So it's not right to do wrong. Wrong is still wrong. Sin is still sin. But God gave us up to our sinful nature. He will allow you as an individual to live as wicked as you want to live. Every person sitting in this room, every person in the whole world has a sinful nature. And God will permit you, gave you up, gives you permission to live as wicked as you want to live. That's why people do it. You can become a thief if you want to become a thief, can't you? You can commit adultery if you want to commit adultery. You can become a homosexual, a sodomite, if you want to. You can divorce your husband or your wife if you want to. You can become a drunkard if you want to. You can do it. God won't stop you. God will not stop you from committing any sin. You can do anything you want. But this is the condition of the whole world. Everybody has been given to live and make choices and... Whatever you want. But in spite of all of that, does God still love you? Yes. And there's only one hope for individual, and that is the message of the word. Let me give you a couple of things that I didn't write down for you. Number one, homosexual is not a scriptural term and is misleading. The Bible refers to them as sodomites. Number two, there are over 15 scriptural terms which identify, describe, and condemn the sin. Number three, a sodomite is not a class of people. It is a type of sin. Somebody said, well, I was born this way. (laughs) No, you weren't, and don't you believe that slop. It's a choice. There are choices that people make. A sodomite is not a class of people, but a type of sin. Number four, disinterest in the same sex can be proper. The Bible talks about people that have absolutely no desire for the, uh, the, for the opposite sex. There's no scripture that says, you've got to get married. No, you don't have to get married. The Bible talks about eunuchs, some who make themselves that way. They don't care if they say single all their life. God did not hold a gun and make you get married. Kind of like this one man one day, him and his wife were celebrating their 50th anniversary. And she reminded him, and he sat there, and the tears just began to come down his cheek. She thought, my, he is so sentimental. This is wonderful. She said, honey, that is so touching. He says, yes, I know. He said, I was just thinking. He says, remember back then, whenever your dad stuck that gun in my side and told me that it was either marry you or be placed behind bars for 50 years. Yeah, he said, today I'd be a free man. Free man today. But burning lust for the same is not. In other words, you may not desire the opposite sex, and that's okay. But if you have a burning lust desire for the same sex, you got a problem. You got a problem. It's a spiritual problem. The snares of uncontrolled lust leads to the prison of perverted perverted affection. Number 6, it is curable. You see, "Is there a cure?" <laughs> Just like a cure for everything else, there is a cure. But I want you to look there, hold your place here, but look in 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. 1 Corinthians And chapter 6, page 12, 16 in an old Schofield reference Bible. But I want you to see this. Look in verse 9. Look in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Now effeminate is a, a sissified man. You ever seen them? Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, whether it's men or women, working that which is against nature. Men with men, women with women. That is not natural. And the Bible says here, He says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, sounds pretty bad. You say, well, according to that, nobody can go. Ah, you got it. Covetous? What is covet? Thou shalt not covet. What does it mean to covet? Covet is like a desire. It means you want something that somebody else has. Well, who doesn't? If somebody had a million dollars and you don't have anything, don't you have a little coveting going on? Have you ever gotten jealous? You know, jealous is the fear of being replaced. Have you ever been jealous of your husband? Your wife? Jealous of somebody else because they happen to be prettier than you? You ain't never been envious? Wishing, boy, I wish I could sing like that. Boy, I wish I lived in a house like that. You ain't never done that, huh? Even the covetous. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Hello? We're all what? We're all liars. Everybody in this room is a liar. You say, I ain't. Liar. Everybody lies. Now, notice in verse 11. Verse 11. Well, if those people can't be saved, well, then how come this verse could be written? Look in verse 11. And such were some of what? Such were some of you. So he said, some of you, 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 you did all of this. You're guilty. Look what he says. But ye are, this is now. Now you're saved. You are washed. Ye are sanctified, ye are justified. That means just as if you've never done it. You mean you could do all those bad things and then in God's eye be just like you never did? That's right. He says, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, that's the way you were, but you can't inherit eternal life. That's why he says flesh and blood cannot inherit eternal life. That's why you have to be born. What's the next word? Again, born again. You trust Christ as your Savior. You're born again. Your new birth is a child of God. That's what makes you a child of God. You were born again the second time. But the second time you were born of God, you are His child and you inherit everything God has. But the first birth doesn't inherit anything. So can God save a murderer? Yes. A drunkard? Yeah. Adulterer? Yeah. Can God save a homosexual? Yeah. Anybody can be saved. See, the invitation is open to all. Whosoever will may come. Anybody. God loves the whole world. You see, Christians need to remember this. So that we don't just go through life picking and choosing who we think ought to go to heaven and I won't let them, other people, won't let them go to hell. God loves them just as much. And don't put yourself too high above that you begin to look down your long pharisaical nose and thinking, you're so much better. You deserve to go to heaven. No, you don't. After you trust Christ as your Savior, you can still think wrong thoughts and do wrong deeds. This isn't written to lost people. This is written to God's people. God's people, but now that you are His child, live for the Lord. Do right. But you're not going to try to reach people if you don't believe they can be saved. That there's classes of people that God has excluded. No, there's nobody excluded. So he starts off in chapter 1 of Romans in verse 16. Look at again. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's for everybody. I'm so glad it's for everybody. And that he says it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, Jew or Gentile, don't make any difference. Who the, there are two class people in the world Jews and Gentiles. So he says, whosoever, did he say except? He didn't say no excepts to nobody. And some of those people have done these bad things. And God says, and such were some of you. But now you're saved. You're washed. You're justified, just like you never did it. You've been cleansed. You're God's child. Now, as a child of God, should we live like a child of God? Yes. Should I put God first and love Him and serve Him? Why? Yes, I should. I'm saved and I'll go to heaven. Because of what he's done for me. Romans chapter 3. It makes a statement there in verse 4. He says, God forbid, yea, let God be true. Every man a liar, as it is written. That thou mightest be justified in thy sayings. And mightest overcome when thou art judged. Now believe it or not, this is not a reference to God judging the people. This is a reference to people judging God. It goes all the way back to Psalms 51 when David had sinned against Bathsheba and against God. And he says, Lord, that thou mightest be justified when thou art judged. Because don't you judge whether or not you're going to serve God based upon what God has done for you? So in your mind... You can judge whether you think God is a good God or God is an unjust God. Or God, just a mean old God that sets up in heaven and he just out to get me. And I'm mad at God because if he loved me, he wouldn't do this. You just judge God. When he says, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose, you don't believe that. So you sit in judgment. God says, I didn't make you the judge. I'm the judge. You're supposed to obey me. But we're trying to make God feel sorry. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Look what you did to me. And you think that if you were God, you could have made better decisions than God did. And I'm not going to serve him. God says, I want you to go to church. I ain't going to church. I don't need it. But didn't God say you did? I don't need to read the Bible. Yeah, but God says you do. You set yourself up as judge over God. But God says, one day I'm going to prove to you, because you judged me, I'm going to be justified. I'm going to be cleared of every accusation. And every person who has rebelled against God, the Lord says, when he gets through the end of time, every knee, every knee shall bow and confess he is God to the glory of God the Father. Yes or no? That's in the book. The only reason you don't serve God with all your heart because you have set in judgment on God and truth and you change the truth, you alter the truth just like the wicked people of the world and you'll decide what you will and will not do with your life. It's my life. And God says you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirits which are God. You belong to God once you trust Him as your Savior. And it's not up to you. You owe God. It is your reasonable service. Unless you're not thinking clearly. Because you've got an old sinful nature that still is harbored within you, lives within you, and deceives you and lies to you. And you believe a lie. Did you know that most Christians live just like an atheist? You know, an atheist doesn't believe in God. Well, if you live your life like God doesn't exist, what's the difference? When you have heartaches and problems and you won't cast your cares upon the Lord, well, the atheists don't either. What's the difference? You can be, as it says there in chapter 1, where it makes the statement in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness. Or the contrast to that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you let the Holy Spirit control your life, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. But if you let the flesh control your life, you'll be filled with all manner of evil and wickedness, and unrighteousness. With heads bowed eyes closed and no one looking around, I know that most of you, maybe all of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. But if you are here this morning, and if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, then you're not a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you're not going to heaven. And I want you to go to heaven. The Lord wants you to go to heaven. That's why He paid for your sins. And friend, if you try to live good enough to get to heaven, it would just make you a hypocrite. No sense doing that. Don't play that game. Just be honest between you and the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. That's what I am. And I can't promise how I'm going to live because that's not an issue. Lord, right now the best on how I will accept Christ as my Savior. I'm going to trust Him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, God said if you'll believe that, He'll save you and give eternal life and you'll go to heaven on what He did for you. If you've never done it, would you do it right now? Would take my place Have you ever heard preachers tell you that
1: you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man
0: And every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
1: Amazing grace amazes me.